It's me, David Webb, and here's a highlight from today's show on Sirius XM Patriot. Vaccine mandates. Those two words will elicit a response depending on the media outlet or a headline that for many in the legacy, the mainstream media, if you will, CNN, MSN, MSNBC, ABC, CBS, the big three, you know, all of them, NBC included, we'll give them two. Various headlines. It was not surprising that if you were to Google vaccine mandates or in the case of what happened this weekend with the defeat the mandates march in Washington, D.C., estimates of the crowd being somewhere between 35 and 50,000, hard to tell. Uh, They don't issue official numbers in many police departments anymore. But if you just looked up March Against Mandates, D.C., it would be a wild array of headlines washington dc defeat the march mandate the mandates march calls for an end to mandates that's fox news you go to msn anti-vaccine protesters march against covid mandates the washingtonian a large anti-vaccine mandate march is planned for dc yahoo To my surprise, large crowds march against vaccine mandates in D.C. But then I looked and realized they were just really reposting an article from Fox News. So that's no surprise to many of you, but the narrative continues over the facts. What happened in Washington, D.C.? Why were tens of thousands of people, including the son of the former Attorney General, Robert F. Kennedy, and... His book, The Real Anthony Fauci, Bill Gates, Big Pharma, and the Global War on Democracy and Public Health, is a not only a New York Times bestseller, but it is endorsed by Children's Health Defense. He's clearly no right-winger. As a matter of fact, he was known for many of his left-wing environmental views. But the headline... The son of former Attorney General and Presidential Candidate Robert F. Kennedy has a long history of spreading vaccine misinformation. That was the MSN headline. So, what really happened? For that, I'll turn to my friend, a former guest on this show a number of times, Dr. Richard Amerling, Associate Medical Director at America's Frontline Doctors and former president of the Association of American Physicians and Surgeons. He was there. He was on the stage, and he joins me now. Richard, good morning. How are you? I'm great, David. It's so great to talk with you again. Let's dive right in, Richard. You just heard me lay out a number of the headlines and the narrative But what was the march about in Washington, D.C., and why were you there? Well, I've been against the mandates from day one. Uh, I was on the front lines in New York. I don't know if I told you this, but when they locked down initially, uh, I, I fled Grenada, and I came up to New York and worked on the front lines at Bellevue. So I saw the worst of the worst of the COVID first wave. And I knew very quickly after that that it was largely a scam because once that wave ended, the whole thing should have gone back to normal. But, of course, it didn't. 
So the march was a pushback against the mandates. Now, instead, you know, we can talk also, and I hope we will, about the merits of the shot, lockdowns, masks, and all that stuff. But none of this stuff is really science-based. It's all based on what's loosely termed evidence, but the evidence is manipulated to favor the narrative. The mandates force people to choose between their livelihoods or a jab which they know now could be fatal. Now, we know this for sure. There have been well over 20,000 deaths reported in the VAERS database, which is verified, by the way. And uh, that's just the tip of the iceberg. So they're, they're being put into this horrible situation, as I was myself, by the way. I mean, I, got, I had to make the decision to either take the shot or lose my teaching position at St. George's University, and I chose the latter. So for people to be put in this horrendous situation violates the Nuremberg Code at the very least. And this is what it's really been all about. No one should be forced to take what is still actually an experimental product where we have no long-term safety data and we have really scary short-term safety data because they're going to lose their job if they don't. This is just wrong. You know, on the website for Defeat the Mandates, and for anyone who wants to go there, if you're not either aware or want to look a little bit deeper, it's DefeatTheMandatesDC.com. Uh, the statement is pretty clear. Free to work, travel, learn, question, speak, pray, free to say no. The, the way the headlines set this up is I referenced a couple of them. The anti-vaccine march. Answer them. Answer those headlines. You know, they, they attack those with whom they disagree by labeling them as anti-vax. That is certainly not true. Uh, we had a talk from Dr. Robert Malone, who's been working to develop vaccines for his entire career and who, in fact, developed the backbone of the messenger RNA platform. So how they can... So, this is the ad hominem attack because they really cannot argue any of the facts with us. And the evidence for that is that there hasn't been a debate. We, there, we, we would welcome a debate with Tony Fauci, any of these people from the NIH or the NIAID or the CDC. They won't because they can't possibly win because the overwhelming evidence is behind us, not them. So that's how I would respond. Guys, come show me your data, and we'll, and we'll show you ours. Uh, it's that simple. There hasn't been an open, honest debate. In fact, there have been only attacks and censorship. So censorship of doctors, which is unprecedented. Why won't they come out and debate us? Because they can't win, and they know it. Yeah. The questions around mRNA as, as technology, medical technology, and all of this development for the past, what, five decades now, I believe there should be a debate. There are always exceptions, right? There are those for which it has no effect, those for which it has, a, as you said, worst case, fatal effects, long-term effects for some. But what's your position, doctor, this is where I asked my friend Richard, Dr. Ameling, on mRNA technology as a whole. 
my understanding of it is that it was developed initially as a potential way to deliver anti-cancer treatments into cells. So it's a, it's a revolutionary concept, and the idea is you're going to put genetic material into a cell, either insert it actually into the DNA or just have the cellular machinery manufacture a protein intracellularly that might be lethal to a cancer cell. So when you're talking about treating what could be what is most likely going to be a fatal illness, you know, a serious cancer, a, a risky technology is acceptable for sure. But when you're talking about mass inoculation of healthy people, that's a whole other safety standard. And this, these, these shots should never have been approved without extensive safety data, which means years of study. And they bypassed all that stuff and pushed them out on the basis of pharma-sponsored trials that were filled with errors and problems and should not be taken at face value. Many issues with them, and we can discuss that if you, if you like. Well, no, there, there are certainly adverse reactions. There are questions around the types of testing. Uh, look, I, you know, I, I, and I'm not a medical professional, uh, watch the development of Operation Warp Speed and the work, the state and university labs. There were many people involved in this that wanted to come up with a solution uh, using mRNA technology. What was ignored were therapeutics, alternative forms of treatment. Uh, of course, you always want to get to herd immunity when it comes to just about any virus. So uh, to me, the debate was not only not having a debate about it, whether someone is for it, against it, or does not know enough, but the fact that what was left off the table were alternatives and alternative forms, uh, whether it be therapeutics or other forms of treatments. So that's, for me, the core of the dishonesty in how this was approached and what's led to this uh, definition that you're either an anti-vaxxer or you're a pro-vaxxer, and that's not reality. That's correct. And they focused on the vaccine as the savior from the very beginning and to the detriment of early outpatient treatment, which proved to be very effective. And this is one of the areas that I'm very focused on, which is why did the vast majority of practicing physicians sit on their hands during what Dr. Peter McCullough calls the Super Bowl of medicine, you know, treating a new disease? They did nothing to take care of their patients who were suffering from early COVID. Now, there were treatments available. We don't even have to get into that, but there, I mean, it's well documented now that these treatments are effective. Uh, and there was a great scientific basis to try them before they were randomized controlled trials. But the real crux of the matter is why did patients, why, why did doctors abandon patients in droves? They told their patients, just stay home, take Tylenol and wait until you can't breathe and then call 911 and go to the hospital where of course they would get horrific treatment and probably die or have a very high chance of dying. This is an abdication of fundamental physician responsibility, which is reprehensible. And the medical profession has sullied their brand for decades, perhaps. Yeah, I, I firmly believe that the, you know, ign ignoring or not having an open debate is probably one of the greatest 
uh, points of damage to the profession. My guest, Dr. Richard Amerling, Associate Medical Director at America's Frontline Doctors and former president of the Association of American Physicians and Surgeons. Uh, one of the speakers there, and you were on the stage, you didn't speak, but you were one of the people who was there to see this. Uh, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., his book, which I have here in my hand, I'm still pouring through it. There are so many citations. I got to tell you, this is about a three-week process to work my way through his book. Uh, By all accounts, well-sourced. He asks a lot of good questions. Sometimes that's what you need to do, and there are sometimes not answers available, which he also points out to a number of issues. But he's being attacked now, uh, to one of your earlier points, for speaking, and they, in one headline, MSN says, he has a long history of spreading vaccine misinformation. How is asking a question misinformation, Richard? It isn't, of course. And I am probably on the opposite end politically from Robert F. Kennedy Jr., but I have become a huge fan of his. And I am also pouring through his book. I'm about two-thirds through. It really is slow going. But there is so much in there, and I recommend that everybody read it, because what you will see is that what we are witnessing now playing out happened years ago during the AIDS epidemic, and Tony Fauci, again, at the center of it all, kind of orchestrating the response, which was detrimental then and is detrimental now. Uh, This is a fabulous book, and I have utmost respect for the work he put into this sourcing it i mean and it's well written too so guys everybody really should be reading this book and the next one on my list by the way peter bregan uh the covid19 and the global predators we are the prey he also puts it all together in a way that is extremely solid yeah i'd love to see someone go deeper and it may take some time and look at the profiteering off the pandemic uh, that has happened around the world, not just here, but around the world, and especially in China, uh, via various forms of influence and product directed. There's so much more to this that will take years to uh, to learn more about. Uh, final question, uh, Richard, before we yeah. wrap up here. Uh, the CDC now finally acknowledging that N95 respirators work better than cloth masks. Okay, color me not surprised about this, but I find something interesting. And there is a political perspective or maybe just a curious point for me. At the time when the Biden administration started pushing the purchase and distribution via the government of N95 masks, Rochelle Walensky and the CDC come out and begin to produce documents Uh, documentation and, you know, media releases about N95 respirators work better, cloth masks don't really work. But that's not where they were a little while ago under Dr. Anthony Fauci and others. Yeah, nothing that they have been promoting uh, worked. Uh, Much of what they promoted was harmful and still is. N95 masks, which I wore every day at Bellevue, are uh, marginally effective. Or they're a little bit better than the surgical masks, but they're not really that good. They have to be fitted uh, carefully to your face and worn in a certain way, uh, taken off in a certain way. They also get contaminated after a short while, and then you're breathing in your own microbes. 
and they are extremely uncomfortable to wear. And they almost certainly restrict the flow of oxygen to your brain, and they allow carbon dioxide, a waste product, to build up in an unhealthy way if you wear them for extended periods. These are going to be extremely harmful. Masks do not work. We should not be wearing them at all, at all. They are harmful. Well, who should be wearing them to that point? Who who should be within the population? I know we can't break it down to every subset, but in general, who should be wearing masks now? Yeah, if you're a doctor working in the ICU in close proximity to very sick patients, you would probably put on a mask mostly for your own protection. It's not going to stop uh, any spread from you. Uh, Studies of surgical masking in the operating theater don't show any benefit. So masks are mostly symbolic. And um, unfortunately, symbolism is negative. The symbolism is you're going to be submissive. Covering your face is a sign of submission. And, and it de-identifies you, right? It dehumanizes you to wear a mask. And this has been extremely damaging to children who are having horrible deficits in language learning. And, and they're going to be psychologically scarred for, from this experience. This is really awful what we're doing to children. And children are at zero risk of either getting serious COVID or spreading it. So this is really a crime. Dr. Richard Ameling, Associate Medical Director of America's Frontline Doctors, former president of the Association of American Physicians and Surgeons, and a friend. Richard, thank you. Uh, you know, this is, uh, this is the beginning of hopefully the American resistance and rebellion uh, in the public square to the mandates. The world has been ahead of us on this one. You know, it, it's... I don't know if it's shocking, but it's a bit disappointing to me that, you know, finally we're seeing these massive responses in a public square. They have been happening around the world in some countries for months. David, you're so right. And let's stay in touch because there's a lot more to get into. And uh, I'll be happy to chat with you anytime, as you know. All right, Richard. Thank you very much. Thanks for joining me this morning. Uh, More information on the march uh, defeat the mandates dc.com they live streamed it they put it out there and uh, i hope there are more of these around the country peaceful in peace we march they were very clear about this well executed united we stand in peace we march uh their motto and they did it you can wane on my social media at david webb show You can join me live on The David Webb Show Monday to Friday, 9 to noon East on Sirius XM Patriot 125.